welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. Amen. Amen. On one of the occasions when the Pharisees and Sadducees were testing Jesus, he responded to them by saying this. And uh, uh, I don't think you can read that. I, can you see it clearly enough to read it? Go ahead and go to the next slide for me. This is what, this is what he said. <laughs> now you can't. When it is evening, you say, it'll be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it'll be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. And then he went on to say, go ahead and go to the next slide. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the time. On another occasion, it was the first day of the week, going into Jesus' last week before he would be crucified. And as he was coming into the city on the hill or on Mount of Olives, they were cheering and they were, they were praising him and honoring him because of the miracles that he had done. And in that procession, suddenly Jesus stopped the whole procession. He was at that point on the Mount of Olives, and I've been there a few times, when you can overlook the entire old city and the Temple Mount in just one view. You can see the whole thing. He stopped. And as he stopped the procession, these are the words that he said to them. <clears throat> if you had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another. Listen to these words. Because you did not know the time of your visitation. You did not know the time of your visitation. It's very important for a disciple of Jesus Christ to know the times and seasons in which they're living and to know the time of God's visitation. See, it's, it's really easy in the natural to look with the natural eye and say the United States of America is in political upheaval and violence is increasing. But can you spiritually discern the time and season in which we're living? And do, do, you, know, do you know what is happening spiritually at this time? See, the Pharisees and Sadducees that were constantly testing Jesus, they were the religious leaders. They knew the Holy Scripture better than anyone. 
And yet what was interesting was they did not know the times and seasons in which they were living. Because they did not know the times and seasons in which they were living, they didn't know the time of their visitation. The very Son of God, the Messiah, for which they had studied hundreds and hundreds of hours and for which they longed with all their heart, was standing before them and they did not know him. They did not know him. They knew the scriptures. They were religious. But they did not know the times and seasons in which they were living. And they did not know the time of the visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very interesting passage of scripture in the Old Testament. It's a short passage. The context of the passage is David has been made king of the southern tribes of Israel. And a delegation has come from the northern tribes of Israel to invite him to become their king also so that David would be king over all of Israel. And in the list of names of that northern delegation that had come to ask him to be king, it says this. Of the sons of Issachar, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. So you had this delegation from the tribe of Issachar. There were 200 chiefs in the tribe of Issachar. And they were men who understood the times and knew what Israel ought to do. They understood the times naturally. They also under, understood the times spiritually. And they knew what God's will was for them to be doing in that time and in that season. Because Almighty God was about to establish the throne of David. And it would be that throne of David that would be the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ and Messiah. Because God had promised he would sit upon the throne of David forever. And they understood the times and the seasons and the visitation of God, not only with natural eye and mind, but with spiritual eye and spiritual mind. They understood the times. Wow, how critical that is. Jesus was having a private conversation with the disciples. He had been teaching on the Temple Mount. They were leaving the Temple Mount. And as they were leaving, the disciples began pointing out to him the beauty, the, the astonishing beauty of the temple, as if he didn't know. But they were pointing it out. And as they crossed the Kidron Valley, they got into the Mount of Olives. Jesus sat down, and overlooking the Temple Mount, he began to teach them what was about to take place in Israel. That the beauty of the temple, yeah, it was beautiful. But Rome was about to lay siege to Jerusalem. And the temple would be destroyed. The city would be destroyed. 
and a million and a half people would lose their lives inside the walls of the old city. And as he was talking about that, he began to connect it with the last days and the end times and the signs of the end times. And the disciples, alert and hearing what was being said, they began to discern and they asked three questions. Lord, what will be the sign of your coming? When and what will be the signs of the last days? And when will these things take place? They were understanding the times. Dear ones, over the last nine months of 2020, there were things that took place that were astounding, that were staggering in this nation. Every one of us in this room knows it. And to the unchurched and to the lukewarm church, they were asking, what in the world is going on? How can this possibly be happening? Why isn't God stopping it? But to the true disciple, to the authentic disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, they were asking different questions because they were not caught up in a spirit of fear because they trusted the Lord God Almighty in all things. And their question was, God, what are you doing? God, we don't want to miss the hour of your visitation. So what should we be doing in view of what you're doing right now? See, those, those are the right questions to be asking. Because it's so important that we understand the times and the seasons in which we live. So I want to take a real quick view at three things that are happening right now that Scripture says points specifically to the times and seasons in which we're living. And then we want to look at what Scripture says, we as authentic disciples, what we ought to be doing. Because one of the things we're going to be doing throughout this year is we're going to be helping you to be an authentic disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just religious, not just a churchgoer, not just somebody who has your fire insurance, <laughs> but an authentic disciple of Jesus Christ. Jesus did not say, go and make people go to church. Jesus did not say, go and make people religious. He did say, go and make disciples. Come on, amen? And if there's ever been a time and season when the church needed to be doing that, it is now. It's not about programs, folks. It's about people. You've heard me say it before. The staff probably gets tired of hearing me say it. We are not in the program business. We are in the people business. And our job is to plunder hell, to populate heaven for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. What are these three signs? Well, the first one is found in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. There's a coalition army that is going to attack Israel. 
Now, the names in Scripture of that coalition army, I don't have time to give you the historical and biblical background of why their modern names are what I'm going to tell you. All I can do is give it to you. That's a whole other study. If you want to go into that in detail, get my series, Where Are We on God's Time Clock? It's a DVD series with a study book. I go into detail how these names historically and biblically are the names I'm going to tell you right now. And so you've got, you've got first it says, that says God. That's supposed to be Gog. I hate it when my computer does that. Everybody say Gog. Gog, the land of Magog. That's Russia. That's Russia. Okay? Then it talks about the prince of Rosh, of Meshach, and Tubal. That's the ancient names of some Russian cities, particularly Moscow. Go. Moscow. Okay? Where's the bottom part down here? There we go. You got Persia. That's Iran. Ethiopia. That's Sudan. And then you have Put. And that is Libya. And then it says in Scripture, and many other nations are going to join into this coalition. And this coalition is going to attack Israel. But there's another coalition that comes together. Okay? Go, go ahead. Go, go back to that slide because there's some others I, I didn't give you. Gomer, that's Turkey, Bulgaria, former Yugoslavia. The house of Togarma, that's the people of the Caucasus Mountains and East. That takes in Armenia, uh, uh, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, and, uh, uh, and Kyrgyzstan. All of those Stan nations that used to be a part of the Soviet Union, they're all Muslim now. That's who he's talking about here when he talks about the house of Togarma and many people with you. So there's going to be many other nations. Now go ahead and go forward for me if you would please. Because there's this other coalition that gathers together. You've got Sheba and Dedan. That's Saudi Arabia. That's an ancient name for Saudi Arabia. The merchants of Tarshish. The merchants of Tarshish traded with all of Western Europe. Throughout the Mediterranean on up into Great Britain, and on up even into Norway and Sweden, all of that Western European nations were the merchants of Tarshish. But then it says, the young lions thereof. That is other nations that traded with the, with the merchants of Tarshish, but they were not in that immediate European area. In his book, uh, America B.C., Barry Fells documents how they have found landing sites that are still still documented in stone. They have found coins from uh, Tarshish throughout the eastern seaboard of Canada, the United States, and even down into the Gulf of Mexico in Texas. They have found it. And so when he's talking about the young lions thereof, he's talking about the other nations. Some in the, in the historical documentation have said even, even in um, uh, Central America, that there's documentation that they traded there. The merchants of Tarshish. This alignment right here is going to come together and they are going to protect Israel. Now, when does this happen? Scripture says clearly it's in the last days. Scripture also says it's at a time when Israel is at peace. Israel has become a nation again and is at peace. May 14th, 1948, Israel became a nation again after 2,000 years. 
but they've not been at peace until recent months and weeks. And our president has led unprecedented the first time since 1948. Now, Jordan already had a peace alignment. And Saudi Arabia, even though there's not an official uh, a peace alignment, they've been walking at peace. Sort of. <laughs> but the United Emirates, the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, interesting enough, Sudan, that's going to be curious to see how long that lasts. And then in just recent days, Pakistan, kind of behind the scenes, have been requesting to have communication with Israel to work towards a peace alignment also. We are watching as Israel is moving into that description of they're going to be at peace, they're going to be in prosperity, and that's the time in the last days. And then God's going to intervene. God's going to send torrential rain. He's going to send hail, hail that has also a fire and sulfur. God intervenes with a massive earthquake, and it says it's going to take seven years to gather the spoil and to bury the dead. Israel, for seven years, will be gathering the spoil and burying the dead. Remember that seven years, because that comes into significance in just a moment. This is the first sign. We're looking and we're seeing, pointing, these two coalitions coming together right now, even as we speak. But there's an even greater sign marker. It's found in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. He says that there's going to rise up this prince. This prince is going to be a prince of the people who had totally destroyed the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And this prince is going to make, listen, a seven-year peace covenant with Israel. Now, most biblical scholars believe it's going to happen at the at that end of that battle, those two coalitions. And I, I need to clarify something here because most people think that, that that battle we just talked about between those two coalitions, they equate it to the Battle of Armageddon. But no, the Battle of Armageddon takes place in the Jezreel Valley in the shadows of Megiddo. But Scripture clearly in Ezekiel 38 and 39 says it happens in the valley of Haman Gog. It's the battle of Haman Gog. The valley of Haman Gog is clearly marked in, on, on the map. It is at the southern end of the Sea of Galilee. It's a separate valley of its own. Yes, it's where, it's where armies have marched through for millennia, but it is its own valley, the valley of Haman Gog. It's not the battle of Armageddon. It is a battle that takes place at the end of the seven years of tribulation. The battle of Haman Gog takes place at the beginning because that's when this prince is going to make his peace pact for seven years with Israel. And at the beginning, it is a, it is a working of ten leaders and the Antichrist is a part of that. This prince that's talked about in Daniel chapter 9 is also referred to in Daniel as the little horn. 
In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he's called the man of sin, the son of perdition. In Revelation chapter 13 and chapter 17, he's called the beast. Most people know him as the Antichrist. The first three and a half years, he leads the world in this world government organization, this global government. But in, in Revelation 17, it says that after three and a half years, they give their allegiance to one man, and he becomes a one-man world ruler, a dictator over all the world, and he requires everyone in the world to receive the mark of his name or the number of his name in the forehead or the back of their hand, and they cannot buy and sell without it. But he does something else. He cuts off the worship of Almighty God and sets himself up in the temple of God in Jerusalem to be worshiped as if he was God. People for years have wondered, how is that going to happen? Well, think about it. Nine months ago, one day, the World Health Organization makes a declaration and the entire world bows the knee and shuts down. First time in human history, the entire world listens to and is under the authority of one organization out of the U.N., we think that's pretty staggering. Well, let me tell you something else that's even more staggering. As a part of their development projects, you can go, they, they have this boldly on their own UN website. You can go to the UN website and you can read it. They have as their goal by 2030 to have all humans on planet Earth biometric identified biometric ID the entire human race and we've wondered how because this has been the question and this is how we've been mocked by the unbelievers oh you're saying every human no way you're saying the whole world will come into there's no way that'll never happen you'll never get the whole world well we saw the whole world humble itself and now it's no longer a mystery thinking that the whole world can become biometric ID'd. That's no longer a mystery either. Folks, we are watching things staggering that have never happened in the annals of human history taking place right now. And they all point one direction. And that one direction is our third point. And that is in John 14, Jesus said, you believe in God? Believe also in me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. He's promising. I'm going to come back, and I'm going to take you to be with me. First Thessalonians. Chapter 4, 13 to 18. He said, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if you believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again, then God will send with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus 
For this I tell you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord will not precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Jesus Christ is coming back again. And there's two parts to his coming. The first part is he comes in the clouds and he gathers the authentic disciples off the earth to him in the, in the air. He also raises the body of those who have already died with him to meet him in the air. And then we go for seven years to celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. At the end of those seven years, we come back with the Lord Jesus Christ as the army of heaven. And he establishes his kingdom on planet earth. And he rules and he reigns for 1,000 years. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, the Apostle Paul made it clear in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, he made it really clear. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. In other words, right at the beginning of that seven years, as we're about to be raptured off the earth, we're going to see the rising of a global governance, and we're going to see the rising of that man of sin coming into power. We're also going to see a great falling away, a great apostasy inside the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me see. Do I see anything like that right now? Wow. In other words, for seven years, this earth is going to go through horrors like you can't believe. Read Revelation chapter 6 through 19, and you'll see what I'm talking about. But Almighty God says, you don't have to go there. But look with me. We see these three markers that are absolutely pointing to the time and season in which we're living. Can you say with me, the last days? days. Yeah. In fact, I believe, this is my personal opinion, because it's my personal opinion, that means you get to have one of your own. (laughs) What is not my personal opinion is that we're living in the last days. My personal opinion about that is we're in the last of the last days. I really do. I really believe we're in the last of the last days. That's, my, that's what I'm seeing. But you get to study that out on your own. So what should we be doing? What's the responsibility God has given to the church in view of this? There are three things I want to point to you quickly that you need to be a part of if we're really going to be a part of this. Because I want to tell you, there are many in the church, and unfortunately many of the shepherds, in the book of Isaiah, in the book of Jeremiah, in the book of Ezekiel, and many of the other prophets in the Old Testament, God talks about his shepherds that are asleep 
His shepherds that fear man more than they fear God. His shepherds that he, the scripture says it this way, they're daubing whitewash. They're painting whitewash. They're trying to make the evil look good. And they're calling evil good and good evil. And they're no longer distinguishing between the sacred and the unsacred, between the holy and the unholy. They're no longer clearly teaching the word of God so that people will know truth. Instead, they're teaching what is politically correct, what is culturally acceptable. They're trying to be tolerant. (laughs) Has anyone besides me noticed that the only ones that you don't have to be tolerant for are true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? The world's not very tolerant to us. And there's a reason. It is because we choose to live by truth. We choose to speak truth. We choose to not call evil good and good evil. We choose to call what Scripture calls. So what do we have to do? Well, the first thing is is we must live out of the upper room. Would you say it with me? We've got to live out of the upper room. I couldn't hear you, please. Would you say it with me? we got to live out of the upper room. Amen. What do you mean by that? When Jesus was establishing his church, he said, don't go do anything until you've been endued with power from on high. And so they continually were in the temple worshiping and praising God. And on the day of Pentecost, The church was born in what John the Baptist had proclaimed. There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to untie or tie. But he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And the church was birthed with Holy Ghost fire. Right in the middle of the Roman Empire, the church was birthed with Holy Ghost fire. And I'm saying to you, what the world needs now, what the United States needs right now, what Oregon desperately needs right now, what Umatilla County desperately needs right now, is a church baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. you got to live out of that, and it's got to be 24-7. It's not something you just kind of do casually or once in a while. It's not something you point back and go, well, you know, back there, back there at youth camp, I just was so touched by Almighty God. And that's been 20 years ago. So what are you now, a wet noodle? (laughs) Come on, church. We got to be people that live out of the upper room. We live 24 7, baptized with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen? That's what will turn our world upside down. Okay, Wanda, I'll calm down, I promise. She told me, she said, don't you run the chairs and don't kick. Not that I've ever done that, but she was telling me, behave yourself up there this morning. Here's the second thing. We got to be a miracle magnet that win our city. Pastor Aaron and Pastor Jesse had been preaching about being miracle magnets. Well, I want to remind you 
of a couple of parables. When Jesus talked about the last days, he gave a parable about ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish. The five wise, they, they, all of them were invited to the wedding. So all of them, using the analogy for us, all of them were born again. But there was a difference between the wise and the foolish. The foolish brought just enough oil for the immediate. They weren't expecting the groom to delay his coming. We're not expecting Jesus. Well, I don't think Jesus will come today. The scripture says he's going to come when you least expect him. At the point you least expect him. So that day when you're going, I don't think Jesus will come today, you better watch out. Because that's when he's going to come when you least expect him. The five wise, they brought oil. Their lamps were not only burning, but they had enough oil to keep on burning until the bridegroom come. And we are waiting for our bridegroom. We have got to have our lives full and overflowing with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the other reason is because it's only out of the fire and the power of the Holy Spirit that the church can be what Jesus called the church to be. What is that? Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creatures. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. In my name you shall cast out devils. You shall speak with new tongues. You shall take up serpents. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And then the scripture says that God went with them, confirming the word with signs following. And we live in an agnostic, antichrist world that needs to know there is a real living God that meets real needs now, right now. That almighty God is a living God that will step into your world and will meet you right where you're at. you got an addiction, he'll break the power of that addiction you got a stronghold of Satan in your life. He'll crush that stronghold and set you free. Jesus is real. Come on, amen? Amen. How the world going to know that? Not just because we make them religious. Religion doesn't set people free. It puts them in more bondage. The only thing that really sets people free is the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God's Word. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And the power of the Holy Spirit coming into your life, making you a new creation. And the blood of Jesus Christ setting you free from the strongholds of Satan. Come on, amen? Amen. And miracles and signs and wonders. Man, as I was preparing for this, I was thinking, how many cancers, surgeries were stopped this fall in our congregation. Amazing. Amazing. How many healings we've seen. How many lives set free. See, that's what tells the world there's a real living God out there. When, you, when you're at work and that person says to you, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I just absolutely do not know what I'm going to do. And you stop and you go, can I pray for you right now? You don't just click your tongue and go, hmm, yeah, well, hmm, hmm, yeah. Well, if you get with Jesus, come on. What kind of an attitude is that? That's a religious attitude. That's what that is. We've got to stop being religious and start being spirit-filled, 
In spirit-filled, we're going to overflow with love, mercy, and grace. Amen? Amen. You're going to grab that person's hand and say, can I pray for you right now? And you're going to pray with faith-believing, and you're going to be a miracle magnet. Boom. Here's the third thing. Everyone say it with me, would you please? Live ready every moment for Jesus Christ's coming. We've got to stop giving God our leftovers. We're going to live every day. Jesus is coming in. I'm ready. Come on, Jesus. I know people say, well, that's just helicopter theology. That's just escapism. Are you kidding me? Are, are, Are you kidding me right now? If Heavenly Father gave us the promise, why would we think it's just escapism? When Heavenly Father says, I want to bring you home to the place I've prepared for you. Why would we look at that as escapism? Folks, that's hope. Amen. But we got to live ready every day for that. Look at this, look at this last scripture. Look at this last scripture thing. It's found in Luke 21. Would you read it with me? Then he spoke to them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know for yourselves that summer's near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away. Stop. What generation? The generation that sees all these things. Kind of like today. Okay, say it with me again now, okay? This generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down and carousing drunkenness and cares of this life, and that day come on you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus was once, he wanted his disciples and he wanted you and I to know that his promise of his second coming and the rapture is absolutely true. It'd be easier for the sun and the moon to not rise than for his promise of the rapture to not take place. But the second thing is he wanted us to understand it's going to be real easy to start giving God your leftovers and then to start compromising and to miss out because the cares of the world are going to grab your heart and pull you away. But that's not who we are. Come on, amen? Amen. We're authentic disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I got three questions to ask you. Three questions. Number one, do you know for certain that your sins are forgiven 
and Jesus Christ lives in your heart. Do you know that without a shadow of a doubt? Second question, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt if Jesus were to appear in the next 10 seconds, you would leave this earth in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and meet him in the sky? Do you know that without a shadow of a doubt? Here's the third question. Are you living authentic discipleship or are you just giving God your leftovers right now? Three questions that have to be answered. They're critical. Would you stand with me, please? Those worshiping with us in the live stream, those questions are critical to you right now. And I want to give you an opportunity for prayer. Let me speak to the, those online with us right now for just a moment. I want to ask you, do you know for certain that Jesus Christ lives in your heart, your sin is forgiven, and that you know that Jesus Christ living in you has given you the gift of eternal life. Without a shadow of a doubt, do you know that? I want to ask those in this room with me here. Do you know that? Without a shadow of a doubt, do you know that? If not, I want to give you opportunity for prayer. Those of you online, in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to kneel where you are if you can and pray with me. Those of you here, if you'd say, Pastor Dean, I don't know that for certain, but I want to know that. I want to know, and I'm gonna, I want to pray with you that Jesus will forgive my sin and come live in my heart. Would you lift your hand real high? I want to join you in prayer. Would you pray for me? Amen. 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 Others, I want to pray for you. I want to know. That. Amen. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. Others, yes, amen. Any others? Amen. Amen, brother. Anyone else? Yes, amen. Amen. I'm going to wait a moment longer. I want to know that. I want to know that for certain in my life. I want to know that. Amen. I'm going to ask everyone to join me in this prayer. Would you please? Those of you that are online, will you kneel right now beside your chair? If you, if you can, kneel beside and join us in this prayer. Say this prayer with us. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the dead. I believe when you died on the cross, you took my sin on the cross. You paid the price for my sin. I confess to you, I am a sinner. I know I've done wrong. I ask you to forgive me and to wash my heart from all unrighteousness. Cleanse me, Jesus, in your blood. Give me a new heart. Jesus, come live in me right now. I invite you to live in me and be the master of my life. I thank you, Jesus. I believe you've heard my prayer. Amen. 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 Praise you, Lord.
those of you worshiping with us online, if you prayed that prayer with me right now in the comments section, would you write, I prayed. I prayed. And someone today will con contact you and we'll make arrangements to get a Bible and, a, and some other resources to you to help you start this new walk with Jesus. Just write in the comments section, I prayed, we'll be in touch with you today to help get those arrangements to you. Those of you that raised your hand and, and prayed with us here, would you meet Pastor Aaron and Pastor Jesse down front? We have a Bible for you. We have some other resources for you. Would you meet them down front here? Just meet us right down front. And they're going to give you a Bible and some other resources to help. Would you do that, please? Don't leave here without that today. But I've got one more thing I want to pray for you. If you'd say, Pastor Dean, I've received Jesus into my heart and life. I know Jesus lives in my heart and life. But I want to be honest with you. I've not been walking as an authentic disciple. There's areas in my life where I've been compromising. I've been giving God my leftovers. I've not been giving God my best. But I want to stop that today. I want to make a commitment to start this new year. I'm going to live it as an authentic disciple of Jesus. I'm going to give God my best. I want to start walking as an authentic disciple of Jesus. If that's you, would you just hold your hand up auditorium. Amen. I want to be that. I want to be that for Jesus. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. 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 I'm going to wait a moment longer. Someone else. I, I want to make that commitment to start this year off. That's who I want to be. Amen. Amen. I want to be that. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I believe you called me to be a disciple to love you, Lord, with all my heart, all my soul, and all my strength. Forgive me, Jesus. I've not given you my best. I've given you my leftovers. Forgive me, Jesus. I've compromised in areas of my life. I repent of that. I turn to you, Jesus. Jesus, to be an authentic disciple. I want to follow you. I want to walk in your steps. I want to love the way you love. I want to live the way you live. I want to think the way you think. I want to be a disciple, Jesus. Amen. Come on, give him praise. Hallelujah. Amen.